Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. Then they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Come nothing. Pilot Season Podcast. This is episode 16. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And we've been away for a while, but we're back. We had a lot of stuff going on the past uh, this year, but um, we're back. We, we tried to get a new episode in before it's been a, a year since our last episode. So we actually teased what we were going to watch back in March of this year. And we finally watched it, and that was the pilot episode of Twin Peaks from 1990. So, Twin Peaks, um, do you have any history with this show, or any, like, going into watching this, do you have anything that that you Um, you remember about it, or from when it was originally on? Not much. I don't know why... I didn't watch this show. Honestly, one thing as we watched it that I remembered thinking about the show, at least, was that I thought the whole cast of characters, like the whole, I thought everyone was adults, but most of these main characters are high school students. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I always thought that they were adult characters. I don't know where I got that from. So in my mind, for... 27 years (laughs) (laughs) Twin Peaks was like a show that was more like I don't want to say geared towards adults because I'm sure that adults did watch this show in 1990 I'm pretty sure yeah only adults watched this show as like I don't know I was probably a high school freshman I guess it wasn't either wasn't on my radar or it was on too late and I couldn't have watched it or it conflicted with something that my dad thought was more important when <laughs> we had one TV. So I'm not really sure. But um, the other thing is I, over the years, have heard many people mention that phrase, who killed Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. I get it now. <laughs> um, honestly, I didn't really expect that the show was going to be laid out this way, like right out of the gate, this character is dead. Mm -hmm. And I guess I thought it was like a little bit more like who shot JR. That was not the first episode of Dallas. That was many seasons in. Right. That was like a cliffhanger type thing, like an ongoing mystery. And so again, I don't know where I get these ideas from, but I, for whatever reason, did not expect that the entire show, like the premise of this show, was to solve the murder mm-hmm. of this particular character. I just, for some reason, assumed that she was a character who was in a billion episodes and then died. Mm. And then that was kind of And then a it thing. just moved forward from there. Like, oh, she died, so they're going to figure it out and, you know, whatever. I did not realize that it was like out of the gate, solve this mystery type mm-hmm. of, of a show. So that I did know, 
going into it. Now, I did not ever watch this show growing up. And I will say, to your point about it being for adults, I'm going to say, to be fair, I feel like all the people that were were portraying high school students straight up looked like adults. Like, they, they all, yeah, like, none of them looked like teens. Like, they all looked like they were all in their early to mid-twenties. Yeah, I mean, most shows um, that have teens, they, you know, they end up being played by adults. Yeah, but but they still have a youthful look. Like right. This, Laura Flynn Boyle does not look like she's in high school. Neither does um, Sherilyn Fenn, who played... Um, uh, I forget the character's name, but she's the one that I pointed out that I said was in Dawson's Creek. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm not surprised that I never watched this because this, even though there were quote-unquote teenagers in it, this was definitely not like a teen drama that you might find on like another network. Like it was no, um, you know, it was no Dawson's Creek or 90210 or... Um, you know, yes, Laura Palmer was, you know, a high school student, like the homecoming queen or prom queen or whatever. She's murdered. I mean, it's not, it, it's, I, I, I think, you know, her body is discovered before even the opening credits. I mean, that's how the show opens. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, and, and I'm going to say also, I figured because just the theme of the show or the nature of the show or the tone of the show was one that probably in 1990, you know, I, again, you know, yeah, being in high school, you know, same as you, um, this is probably something that didn't interest me. Um, it has a very dark, kind of noirish, almost a retro feel to it. Yeah. Um, again, something that, as, you know, as a teenager, I was not into. Um, I'm going to guess that this was probably on later. Maybe like it might have been a, had like a ten o'clock spot, a 10 yeah. you know, because again, be, just because of the nature of the show, I'm guessing this was, uh, yeah, probably again late on later, not really geared for for kids now or teenagers. Now, as I got older, Twin Peaks has always kind of, I wouldn't say followed me, but it's been it's always been something that I've been aware of in the kind of like zeitgeist of pop culture where it's always it's always been there and especially even more so now than like in the past 20 years with um social media going back as far as like even before facebook and twitter like to live journal um i would always see references to twin peaks so twin peaks even though it only it only ran for two seasons and it had a movie and then just this this year, it had a resurgence. It had like a mini series. They brought it back with the same characters uh, or same actors, most of the same actors. It it really did not have a long life, but it developed such a huge cult following that even as someone that has never watched an episode, a minute of it, I knew. I knew Kyle MacLachlan was in it as the main protagonist, Agent Dale Cooper. I knew about who killed Laura Palmer. I don't know who killed Laura Palmer, but I knew that Laura Palmer was the dead girl in the beginning of the show. Um, I know the reference 
that's a day. It, it doesn't. It's not said in this in the pilot, but um, Agent Cooper says at some point in the show that's a damn fine cup of coffee. I don't know if that's something that he says regularly throughout the series, but it's something that I guess is important enough, or is like again, like a not really a catchphrase, but it's something that that I've seen over and over and over again in the whole like zeitgeist of the of you know just popular culture that you know that I and I've got like friends that have watched. Twin Peaks and can cite episodes and references and um, so I feel like even though I've never watched it I somehow know about it you know what I mean like it's it's been part of you know somehow it's been part of me and part of my life um, even though I've never seen it so that's kind of, that's why I picked it because um, you know we only watch the pilot we haven't watched the entire series, the movie, the follow-up series. Um, so clearly we don't know anything about the show. But I guess I wanted to kind of get a taste of what people found so special about this show. Or, you know, why it was such a thing. Yeah, when you mentioned it as your pick, my thought, you know, I, I remembered it was a show from the 90s. And I didn't know much about it, but it seemed like at every turn, something about Twin Peaks was coming up in my Facebook posts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, so when you mentioned, you know, checking this out, I kind of thought to myself, yeah, because it's all these years later. And I keep seeing these references on social media, like, what? what's the big deal, you mm. know, about this show? So, right. yeah, so let's check it out. You probably, I mean, 20-some years later, I'm sure everyone knows the basic premise of Twin Peaks is there's a, you know, the body of teenager Laura Palmer is found on, you know, found in the river of this little, this, like, sleepy little town in the twin of twin peaks somewhere in like the state of washington it's like the pacific northwest i would say uh, it, it, it's like a, it's a like a logging town mm-hmm. and you know the, the whole town is is shaken you know more things start happening that the local law enforcement feel it's necessary to call in uh the you know the the, the fbi which brings in uh agent dale cooper played by kyle mclaughlin who kind of uh, spearheads the investigation, and he's working with local law enforcement. And throughout the series, or throughout the episode, which is an hour and a half, which <laughs> I almost feel like, given the amount the the cast of characters we're introduced to, I felt like that wasn't even enough time to. <laughs> it's funny go through everybody because when you put it on, and I looked at you, and I'm like, this is an hour and a half, because I had no idea. So I have to say, first of all, it was an hour and a half that felt like forty minutes to me. Yeah, I felt like it could it have just been longer. Flew right by, but also at the same time, it, you know, every couple scenes, it's like, oh my gosh, more characters. Like, yeah. I, 
they packed a lot in and an hour and a half is a, that's a long episode so to say packed it in maybe sounds stupid but like it moved along in a in, a, in such a way that it didn't feel you know like it was dragging and it was interesting and they and they yeah how they they kind of brought in new characters every couple scenes and and how they started to kind of like weave together this this tale and all these people's possible roles in you know the evening that this this girl was was murdered Mm -hmm. i thought it had a pretty good pace for the number of characters that it was introducing and you know quite frankly for the material that you know the just the story itself of this this murder in this small town yeah and and there were uh, so many i mean speaking of the cast i mean there were so many so many recognizable actors in I it. feel like we could do multiple episodes on just who did we see tonight <laughs> who did we see yeah. for 1 hour and 33 minutes cuz i saw a lot of folks oh, and yeah. so like <laughs> in one of the earlier scenes like where the fisherman or the guy mm-hmm is going to fish. He's not a fisherman like for his living, but he's going out to fish and he finds this body. And his wife, I can't remember her name, but she's the lady who plays Coleman's wife in Dream a Little Dream. I was like, that's yeah. that lady. That was that's that, that lady. That was Piper Laurie. Yeah. That's her yeah, name. Yeah. yeah, Piper Laurie. Yeah. Um but yeah, then like of course Kyle McLaughlin, who mm-hmm. I've like not a big background with him. Like I hated him in Sex in the City, so I'm watching this and I'm like, You're yeah. so not annoying. I, I like you right now. And yeah. that, that made me happy. I, I actually I, I, I wrote down uh, one of my last notes was that I, I, I kinda loved Agent Dale Cooper. I think I have like a a you know, special love for I, I like crime. Mm-hmm. You know, crime-solving type of shows and and whatever, um, but just that whole, you know, the ability to pick out the little little details and and that kind of thing. Yeah. And it was very God, qu- that was very just, quirky. Just a much better character than I forget the character's name in Sex in the City, but man, oh uh, yeah, well that was just a terrible. Just character. and I get we were kind of supposed to not like that guy, but yeah, that was my only experience with him. Mm-hmm. Whatever else he's been in. I haven't seen, so I was very happy <laughs> to see him in something that I, yeah. I liked him in. I like could I appreciate say, his role. I, I mean, he you know he's probably had a long career. I would say this has probably been like one of the watershed moments from his career. Like this is going to be what he's probably most known for. At you know when, when at the end of the day, I think his role in Twin Peaks, even though. You know, maybe it wasn't, you know, uh, award-winning or um, lengthy because, again, it only went two seasons and, you know, a few things after. But, again, going back to the whole, you know, cult following of this show, you know, I think that's how he's going to be elevated, you know, in his career, uh, that he's always going to be Agent Dale Cooper. So there was another character, Bobby who I said to you, I know this guy. I don't know where I know this guy from. And you know, I, had Briggs. To, I had to cheat. <laughs> you know, I had to look on my phone. And I am not embarrassed to admit that where I know this guy from 
is he was on Dawson's Creek. He was Pacey's <laughs> jerk of a boss. Yep. Rich Rinaldi. <laughs> <sighs> but I kept looking at his face. There's something about like his chin, his eyes. I'm like, I, I cannot figure well, this out. For me, it was when I heard his voice, I recognized, like, I didn't... Re- yeah, he had like a kind of recognizable look, but it was it was his voice. It was that like kind of jerky voice that he has. Like, so that, maybe he's just good at being a jerk. Yeah, I think that's like probably the you know you know some actors are just good at being dicks. Yeah. Um, well, I so I I had to Google to figure out who he was, and um, I also Googled to figure out where I knew um, the actor who plays James from. And when I did that, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I have to stop. I'm very <laughs> curious because I'm not as good as you are. You look at, you watch shows and you know, you know all the connections. And I might sometimes recognize, but can't really place, don't know the actor's name, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was at that point where I realized I'm going to ruin this for myself. <laughs> so I'm not allowed to Google anything anything with Twin Peaks anymore because all these things were popping up in my in my feed and I'm like I know because just just scrolling to find the appropriate you know link or whatever I'm passing other things Mm -hmm. so I'm done (laughs) no more internet well I will admit that I hit IMDB pretty early only because so this the show had just started the opening credits were rolling, and I saw the name uh, flash Mary Jo Deschanel, and I thought, is she somehow related to Zoe Deschanel? I thought the same thing, but I I didn't look that up. Would she you mind? is. She is. It's her mom. Which which character is she? She was the she was uh, the concierge at that hotel. Huh. Okay. And and and. There was the the scene where Sherilyn Fenn is teasing her by poking the hole in in the styrofoam cup of coffee, mm-hmm. and she's trying to clean up the coffee that's spilling. That scene when I kind of looked at her face, like you know, again twenty, you know, she's twenty years younger. That at that point, I'm like, you could really see the Deschanel, <laughs> you know, the the Zoe Deschanel. Um, so I thought, I thought that was kind of lovely. well. That's an interesting connection. Um, she was only in three episodes, so um, but I thought that was kind of cool and just you know random. So I guess the um, you know acting really runs in that family. Well, the sister's an actress too, right? Yeah, Emily. I think her name is Emily Deschanel. That sounds right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought. Um, yeah, I have written down here a couple of times that, you know, such a large cast of characters. I thought it was, um, well, I thought it was diverse, not so much in that, like, racially, because obviously they're in the Pacific Northwest. Everyone is white, except for one random Asian woman who is who owns the um, the logging company. Uh, that was willed to her by her husband. Yeah, I thought there were there were a, a lot. I mean, they they really they definitely needed a, needed an hour and a half because they set up so many threads to so many different stories with all the. I mean, beyond the murder, because 
they're introducing this this cast of characters almost like it was like unfolding like I felt like I was reading a book the way it was unfolding um, and then I would say it was probably like halfway or three quarters through the show where um, they're having this little like this town hall meeting to discuss the ongoing investigation with the sheriff and the mayor and agent Cooper and while they're sitting there the sheriff is leaning over to agent Cooper and pointing out you know different characters that we've kind of been introduced to already but he's like giving them the skinny he's like oh that's so and so and they they're related to this person and their story is they do this this and this and <laughs> I'm like maybe you guys should have done this earlier in the episode <laughs> so because that actually helped me get a little better handle on what was going on yeah like with some of the characters for, for the um, like at the mill this logging mm-hmm. mill or whatever i didn't fully understand the dynamic between the three right there was kind of like, like the foreman and then the asian woman and then the other woman the piper Laurie right. character right so the guy who went out fishing and found the body works at the mill and mm-hmm. probably that's probably like not necessarily relevant, I don't know, but I was like, oh, that guy. And there's his wife, and who is this Asian person? Yeah. What is the connection there? Like, you know. Because when they first show, uh, and it's Joan Chen, by the way, who, um, Joan Chen, who has a very long career um, in acting, um, when they show her in the beginning of the episode, it's very, it's like very, uh, artistic in a way like the way it's portrayed like they they kind of frame her in a way where she's just kind of like looking off into the distance and i don't know if she's like staring into a mirror or putting on makeup but it's like she doesn't say anything it was a little creepy she's just sitting there and 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 with no there's no reference as to why she's there who she is what she's doing she's just sitting there and like i don't even know if she speaks english like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of this I, I attribute to to the to the team of David Lynch and Mark Frost. Um, specifically, you know, really, you know, David Lynch. I mean, he's, you know, he, he, he's got a history of, and a, uh, I mean, his whole career is just doing odd stuff. You know, he's, that's kind of his thing. Um but yeah, there's there there was there was definitely there was a lot to take in, like again beyond just I felt like almost like the at one point the murder I feel like just be, just took a backseat to everything else. I yeah I kind of felt like <clears throat> they were introducing us to a whole bunch of characters, perhaps so that with each new introduction we could say to ourselves, ooh, I think he did it. Right. Because oh sure. Seriously, like every new person I was like, yes. This well, could like even the dad. So the dad is at the hotel trying to make the deal with the Norwegian mm-hmm. people and <clears throat> the sheriff shows up. By then dad knows something's wrong cuz Laura is missing. And the sheriff comes in. The sheriff doesn't get to say a word and the dad's like my daughter is dead. And I'm like, son of a bitch, he never said dead. 
Now, sure, it's an intense moment. You could infer. Yeah, because he, he says, never is said that. Like, how do you about, know? Is this about Laura? And... Do you know she's dead because you killed her? Is that how you know? <laughs> In my uh, mind, now, I'm accusing everyone. Laura and uh, and I'm gonna um, Laura's dad, played by Ray Wise, another great actor. The, the the sheriff Michael Onkeen, another. I recognized him. He was in Slapshot with Paul Newman way back in the day. Never saw it. He's been in a lot of stuff, but that's kind of again that's one thing that he's kind of famous for. Um, I mean, even the freaking principal of the school who has like oh, yeah. a thirty second scene. Dude's in everything. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you know, crazy amounts of people are, are in this show, and yeah, it's. Uh, it's insane. So, well, um, one thing I was just going to mention since we're talking about characters, and, and, you know, we watched one episode, so it's hard to say, like, what depth any of these characters will have or how often we're going to see them mm-hmm. throughout the series or whatever. But it, I kind of, you know, I made some notes, and I when I looked back on them, I was like, dude, we've got, we've got a couple of weirdos here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So right, almost right out of the gate, the dispatcher, secretary, whatever we're calling her, yeah, Lucy, for the police officer, police station, Lucy, yeah, yeah, very quirky, very quirky, weird, just the way she speaks or like explains, you know, mm-hmm. the phone that's next to the red chair, that's like, like it just her explanation of the phone she was going to transfer the call to mm-hmm. was so lengthy. And it was kind of funny in a show that was like, yeah. it's obviously very serious. A person's been murdered, and it's got this like ominous music to it. Yeah, and, it, had, you know. it has a lot of dry humor to it. And so and I kind of like appreciated humor. her and her weirdness. Mm-hmm. And um, and then not long after that, we meet the other police officer. I, I never caught his name. I'm sure they said it, but the one who was supposed to photograph the body, and he couldn't because he became emotional and was crying. Yeah. And then later, when they find the crime scene, um, again, crying. And, like, the first time he cried, like, it's not funny. There's a dead woman, but just the fact that he's a police officer and, and it well, and, and the sheriff even mentions it. He says something like, like, it sounds like this is something that happens because he he says something like an offhand, like a commented, like, um, if this keeps happening or, you know, or something like this happens every time yeah. with you. Well, and, and then. It's, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, the, the second one was, you know, it, I, he starts to cry and I instantly think it's going to be funny again. But for me, not funny because he was so, like, having seen the crime scene, mm-hmm. just, it was devastating mm-hmm. to him. So, weird, funny in a way, but just, like, an interesting little role to include there. You know, he's not your typical police officer who just shows up, snaps a couple photos, takes a couple notes, whatever, mm-hmm. does whatever the sheriff tells him to do. Like, he brings his own, you know, personality yeah, it, into this. It, it, it's such a, like a, I don't want to say a, a simple personality quirk, but it's very unique. And it's something that you'll, you know, you'll identify with that character. We're, you know, we're never really properly introduced, but we assume it's um, Big Ed's wife. Uh, the eye patch? Yeah, the eye patch. Uh, the woman who has the eye patch and who... 
is uh, seemingly obsessed with drapes. Yes. Um, Those drapes are going to hang, hang themselves, right? <laughs> she um, is serious. Yeah, and that's, you know, and, um, yeah, we assume that that's, well, you know, Big Ed makes a reference. Um, he's kind of commiserating with Donna, who is Laura Flynn Boyle, about their, you know, the the choices they make in their in their personal lives. And he, you know, he says something like, you know, we're, like we're both good at picking them, or, or or boy, can we pick them, or something? And yeah, and then he gets a phone call from, and again, I didn't catch her name, but the woman who also happens, she's a waitress at, at the, the, diner the diner that we saw a scene or two in, and she said, "Oh, I know I'm not supposed to call you here, but I have to see you." So they meet, and I'm like. Damn, is there anyone in this show who is not cheating? Is there anyone? <laughs> because everybody is cheating on their husband, wife, significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. Like, everybody's cheating. <laughs> everybody. Well, I, I thought you were going to say, and this I have written down here, that apparently everyone in the town is going to the roadhouse at 930. I was going to say it, but yeah, I can only do one <laughs> thing at a time here. And And speaking of the roadhouse... I love, I just love a, a, a good show where all the high school kids can go out to the bar. It's one of my favorite concepts. <laughs> that's a that's like a Dawson's a Creek thing. I mean, yeah, again, not to say Dawson's Creek 27 times in this episode, but like, yeah. Well, like, they, all the high school kids go to the bar and every everybody thinks like nothing of it. Yeah, I, I said everyone's going to the roadhouse. Is it a bar for teenagers? <laughs> I, I and, can't even. And I guess there was like, it's like a I don't know, like a biker bar slash like where people go to dance and 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 and, uh, and the band was pretty awful. Oh my like God. I don't get, I, I I did not get that no, band. What, no, no, no. what kind of they were music they were playing? So, you know, I'll meet you at the Roadhouse. Just the name, like Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. You know, already in my mind, I think Patrick Swayze's going to be there. That's where I think we're going. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it's like a little divey it's not a fancy place by any means whatever and yes there's there's a whole biker scene so we're painting a picture Mm -hmm. in my mind i think i know what i'm gonna get i've been to this bar before you know essentially and then the band starts singing the woman starts singing in the and i was like no 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 this music is all wrong i'm just gonna connect that back to i'm sorry the music (laughs) was awful Start to finish throughout the entire episode, I can appreciate like like a little creepy melody because you're trying to set up some dramatic scene or whatever. But oh my god, overall well, the music was just awful. I I will partially agree. I I, I felt like there were there were there were basically two types of music. There was kind of like a a jazzy like again going back to like. It being it feeling very like kind of noirish, there was like this kind of jazzy scat type of music when um, they were working on the investigation, you know, like with Agent Cooper and Sheriff Truman, and um, that it kind of reminded me of like a detective story. But then during like quieter moments, or when Donna and James were kind of like getting together, like figuring out that they were into each other. Yeah, we have to discuss that. There were and the, the 
and, and they used the same piano music several times throughout the episode. That got very old for me real, real quick. I, I really did not like that piano music. Um, and then, uh, again, the, the, the band at the Roadhouse, I can't even, I don't even have words to describe what that was. It was like... It, it was like a slow... It was just like this woman going like... Ah. Were there words to that With, song? like, some sort of synthesizer in Where the background? Was, yeah, and then when the camera kind of panned out and you saw that there were, like, five musicians... Yeah, there was like, like, a, it was like a full are band. Are you all standing there just fake playing your instruments? <laughs> because there isn't and really any music. Just this lady going, ah. I don't understand how people were dancing to it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we should just stop there. So, <laughs> the roadhouse, no, question mark. Nothing... Nothing good is going to come of a conversation from the road out no. the roadhouse. I literally wrote last thing in my notes. Music is awful. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back real quick just to our weird characters because mm-hmm. there's the epitome of weird character that I didn't get to mention. The psychiatrist, Doctor Jacoby. Oh yeah, he was only in it for like like a brief and like moment, yeah. But... So it was one of those things where. You didn't have to include this guy unless he's going to be relevant later. Like you said, they're introducing all these characters so that we think about the role that each one of these characters could have played. And, like, he's right right out of the gate seems kind of quirky. Like he's interacting with, with you know, with some other, um, you know, like background characters, mm-hmm. if you will. And then he sees the FBI agent and the sheriff. And it was like one of those suck-up-y kind of moments. Like, he's trying to get in on a thing that he has no business getting in on. So when he said, I'll come along with you to see the the body, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, well, maybe he's the coroner. And then they were kind of like, yeah, that would be inappropriate. And he mentions that he's her psychiatrist. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and her parents don't know she was seeing me. <laughs> and I, just the whole, like, he was weird and quirky, but then just the whole fact that, like, most teenagers don't see a psychiatrist unless without their parents knowing. There were a lot of procedural things I had issues with in in, in this in this pilot, but um, but <laughs> uh, with Dr. Jacoby, the thing I, I I did catch all of that, everything you just said, but the thing that I can't get out of my head that is burned into my brain. Did you see him playing with his tie? Yeah, was there like um So he's wearing a little this piece. No, okay, so so just to set paint a picture here, he's wearing this necktie that it looks like something you'd get at like, you know, a thrift store or some like novelty tie which has got this hula girl on it. And and the grass skirt is actually like fringe on the tie, right? Right. Well, he's he's holding his tie, but he's got his index finger under the fringe, and it's like he's rubbing it. So it's like he's rubbing under the skirt of the hula dancer. What a perv! That was pretty messed up. I was and and and, and, and he he was talking at the time, and he just had this creepy look on his face. And I'm I'm absolutely certain that given the character. And the people behind the show, and I mean everything, that that was not that was by design to increase the creep factor for Doctor Jacoby. That he was like, 
you know, finger blasting the hula girl on his tie. Well, you know, he even just when he said, you know, her parents don't know she was seeing me. My instant thought was, oh, my God, you did something inappropriate. This wasn't just uh, I think I need need help. So I'm going to seek out a mental health professional this was like you took advantage of this poor girl or like something like instantaneously. And I'm sure that's what most people watching this would think. He was very good at being creepy, you know, yeah, and I'm but sure he we're going to see this guy again. I, I don't feel like, I mean, assuming that we see Dr. Jacoby in the future, I don't think my feeling is because he, because he looks like basically like he looked like a homeless man in a white lab coat. I don't think he he might be like a creep, but I don't think anything happened inappropriate between him and Laura Palmer because I, I think there's still you know maybe if he looked like John Hamm and he was treating her maybe there was there would be more of a chance for some indiscretions, but the guy basically looked like human garbage. Well, and, and so, I don't think that there was anything there. It's just it instantly kind of like pops in your your brain for a second but i think it would be too easy yeah it would be it would be very cliche i think that the writers did anything in the show that would be called easy like they're not going to take the easy way out and make it be the creepy doctor guy you know it just adds an extra level that there's a creepy doctor guy i would say in in no way shape or form did the creators of this show adhere to any standard storytelling that we're used to Mm -hmm. in a, a you know, um, like a crime drama, thriller, whatever, you, however this show is labeled, which I, I don't even know if I could put a label on it. Uh, again, not not having watched any of the rest of the series, but having kind of an idea of what to expect for the rest of the series, that it gets a little more surreal and just straight up weird. The pilot was probably the the most straightforward episode in the entire series, because it was laid out more like just, uh, you know, just a whodunit with mm-hmm. a whole cast of characters. It's it's basically it's it's the board game Clue. It's you know it was you know Colonel Mustard in the library with the candlestick. You know that's kind of how they're laying it out, like trying to figure out who did it. But I think the rest of the series just gets weird. Um, again, from from what I've seen and heard from, you know, the internet for the past, you know, 20 years. Uh, the one, <laughs> um, kind of like switching gears, the one thing that I, I, that I couldn't get past, because it happened in a couple of scenes, and I wrote down, like, does no one, do, like, th- does no one in this town, like, did they have surgical gloves in 1990? Like, the police don't use, put on any gloves when they're, like, handling the body. Like, when she's when she's found and wrapped in plastic. Yeah. Um, when they have her in the morgue and Agent Cooper is, like, you know, examining her and digging under her fingernails. He's just got, he's just using his hands. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, even just the simple, like, she, okay, so she's in the plastic. And, yeah, the chances of there being fingerprints on the plastic or whatever slim however you still just touched everything like mm-hmm. i you know i thought that same thing and like 
yeah, like when he was digging under her fingernails and uh, pulled out the teeny scrap of paper. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. But, yeah, I thought that, too. Like, uh, you know, okay, she's dead. They've already done a lot of work on her, although I'm pretty sure they said at that time they had not performed an autopsy, so they were not done working on this body. Right. And, yeah, he's handling her her fingers, like, without gloves on. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I want to believe in 1990 we had those standards. (laughs) So you got me on that one. Um, Well, also going back to... At least in this episode, I'm not sure. Like, as much as I liked Agent Cooper, um, maybe he wasn't, like, the best guy to, to send because during the town hall meeting, um, he gets up and he's talking about the investigation. And I, I kind of feel like this early into an investigation, you would not be... I mean, you wouldn't be giving this information to, like, the media, let alone just the general public, like the townspeople. Um, but he, you know, he, he goes through all this information and he makes a statement where he basically says, there's a serial killer out there. He might be in your town. Chances are it's somebody you know. Yeah, or chances something. are it's possibly someone you know. I'm like, this is a small town. And then he, <laughs> he, he goes like, now we don't want to start a witch hunt. I'm like, really? Because you... Just did. Because you've been here for two days, or no, no, not, not even. Not even. It he was still, like a day. He still hadn't gone to his hotel. Yeah, yet. he still hadn't gone. He's yeah, he was there at like twenty four hours, and he's like, "There's probably a killer living next door to you. Have a nice day." <laughs> um, Which way to the Best Western? Yeah. Um. I I found the device of him talking into the tape recorder interesting. I feel like that's I feel like that's something that that I'm just guessing. That's something that's going to come back like he kept he keeps talking to this Diane. He says, "Diane, um I'm at the sheriff's office." Like he's I I guess like he the idea is he talks into this a tape recorder. He's recording his notes and I'm guessing he sends it back to the field office to whoever who transcribes the notes or transcribes the tapes into his case notes. Um, but there was, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I almost feel like there is no Diane. No, there is no Diane. <laughs> I'm going to, you want to like, I'll put money down right now. <laughs> when he was driving to the town, he's talking in the tape recorder to, you know, in the car. Mm-hmm. And he said, Diane, I'm on my way. Diane, oh, these beautiful trees or, like, whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, same thing. He's for notes purposes, whatever. Then, like, you know, he meets a sheriff. They go to the morgue. All these things, and he's recording. And at some point, I just kind of thought to myself, there is no living person named Diane. There is no transcriber named Diane. Either Diane is some kind of, like, I I hate to say, like, alter ego, something, like, whatever, or, like, his dead wife, or something. Like, there's going to be some piece about him, and then we're going to learn who Diane is, but I don't think there's a real Diane. Yeah, I, 
And, and again... It's probably some, like, he needs to take notes for his case, maybe, and it's a... Some kind of mechanism, some kind of even like a coping strategy or, you know, like I said, dead wife. Maybe he used to come home and tell his wife about cases and it comforts him to be able to like, quote, speak to her and tell her about the cases, something. There, but I don't think there is a Diane. I, it's probably one of two things. Either it's, uh, again, I, uh, that I don't think that the creators of this show, again, it, you know, would do anything cliche or anything expected so it's either exactly what it seems which you know would throw us off or it's something so far out there that we wouldn't even consider i also thought in addition to maybe like a wife dead wife something like that maybe diane is like the first victim or something i don't know but I don't think that there's a girl back in the office named Diane who transcribes his notes. <laughs> yeah, just the, the the way he talked into the he talked into the tape recorder like there was literally someone on the other end. Yeah, you know he was just talking to his familiarity with talking into that tape recorder was weird. It wasn't like like if. If anyone else had to talk into a tape recorder, you, you would. I, I feel like you wouldn't add the color commentary about the trees well, or how yeah. delicious the cherry pie was at the Lamplighter Diner or whatever. Right, and and also like in a he speaks as if he's having a conversation. Of course, they're like Diane is not speaking back to him, but it's almost like a one-sided conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think about a real conversation. It doesn't go like that. Like, what I mean is, we've never had a conversation where I say, Dan, let's watch Twin Peaks. I heard it's really good. Dan, let's record the podcast tonight. Dan, we should do that after dinner, Dan. (laughs) You know, it's almost like he says the name so much that it's, I don't know, like it's almost like awkward. You know, I, I, I don't know, but yeah, in a in a normal flowing conversation, yes, you could at times use the person's name, but you wouldn't say it as often as he's saying it makes it there's it adds a quirkiness. It adds like an extra level of like, what is this tape recording thing all about? Yeah, it's uh, again, it, it, it it's another interesting device, um, you know, that in the storytelling and fleshing out the character um you know that he's 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 very detail oriented so you know maybe maybe other agents don't do this maybe you know they would just keep notes in a notebook and you know send them back or tra- you know transcribe them themselves or whatever but it seems like he goes the extra mile like he records all of his thoughts and his impressions and he wants to get everything right. on you know on file a couple of random things i thought harriet's room i felt bad for harriet as a teenager she had probably the worst bedroom ever harriet was donna's sister mm-hmm. and it looked like an old lady's bedroom it kind of did and Honestly, <laughs> it was terrible. It kind of made me think about like it looked like a guest room. 
It did, you yeah. Know. Yeah. It, it reminded me uh, a little bit of, um, well, the person that owned our house before us had a very special, special flair for decorating mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, she was an older lady, and it sure felt like an older lady. And I kind of saw a little bit of our house there in that room. <laughs> well, you know, and I, and I felt like that that almost goes to the entire aesthetic of the show how even though it took place in the modern day back in 1990 it felt like like i felt like i was watching like some 50s movie or like rebel without a cause or anything cuz like the all hotel? the girl- Okay, is this Dirty Dancing? <laughs> well, I mean... Like, it felt yeah. like we were at Kellerman's for a minute there. Yeah, there was the resort. Um, but the all the girls wore, like, long skirts. Yeah. Or dresses. Or and like, you and know, the one girl wore... Wore, like, saddle shoes. Yeah, and, and changed her and, shoes and, like... But she were, changed her shoes from saddle shoes to heels. Yeah. Now, granted, she was, like, probably the rich girl in town because her dad was the hotel owner. Her dad was the one that was trying to sell, uh, trying to get the Norwegians to invest in this golf course or something. But it's like you had um, the girls with like their long skirts and their like button-up shirts and sweaters. Yeah, cardigans. Yeah, cardigan sweaters. You had the um, the guys that were either like, you know, the James who was the biker, or you had. Um, Mike and Bobby, who were like the varsity athletes, who wore their like varsity jackets, and it was very—I don't know—just it, it felt very fifties. In the beginning, I was like, "Okay, modern day, I got it." Then, just minutes later, I was like, "Wait a too. second, yeah, there were a lot of old cars too." And I thought to myself, "Oh, okay, I must have been wrong there because this is not set in modern day." And then I flipped it again, like, well, it is modern day. These girls are just wearing, like, longer skirts. And then um, we had already seen, I think, Bobby's car, which is, like, really cool car. Mm-hmm. But then, forget his name, Donna's boyfriend, who's a jerk. Mike. Mike comes flying up in his car. And I was like, that's an older car, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of threw me there. But um, I'll just interject that I had saddle shoes. <laughs> in probably about 1990. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no denying that you know they they had a resurgence um, past the 1950s, but it just again I felt like it just added to the entire um, feel of the yeah, and then the whole tone was of it, it. Ed Ed's gas station. Mm-hmm. Not modern in 1990. It definitely had mm-hmm. like it was. Probably built in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of fifties vibe in this show. Yeah. Um. Oh, and I think I think the last thing I wrote down was um, Mike and Bobby scared me. They were nuts. Yeah. Like they basically they both started had the crazed look in their eye. They base they 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 they're teenage. You know, they're I mean, yeah, they're high school athletes, but they're teenagers basically. They pretty much start a bar brawl at the roadhouse. Um, Mike is like kind of abusing his girlfriend in the middle of the bar. 
You know, he was like manhandling Donna. Yeah. I mean, well, it was he just already like, like screamed at her in front of Ed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, yeah. I think that was just you know kind of the the time where like you know we're a lot more sensitive now, but you know or yeah. Um, I don't know. Guys just like yelled at their women in public, and it was okay. And you know, grab them by the collar and be like, <laughs> "Come here, woman." <laughs> yeah, I like they scared me, <laughs> and they were like, and they they were it showed them like I guess they they were in jail because they started the fight at the roadhouse, and then they separately brought James in for you know questioning for Laura Laura Palmer's murder. And, like, the two of them basically want to kill James because they think he was involved. And then they start, like, barking at him. Yeah, like, taunting him. Yeah, and, and they're like, will you get out? And they start barking at him, like, I was I was like, stop it. You're scaring me. <laughs> the whole roadhouse thing. So, Donna is Laura Palmer's best friend. We know everyone is cheating on everyone. Bobby's cheating on Laura, but Laura's cheating on Bobby also. Laura's mm-hmm. cheating on Bobby with James. The biker, right. The biker who held the video camera that showed the footage of Laura with Donna. So Donna and James meet so they can talk, and he says, oh, you know, they're going to... They're going to think it was me. I don't have an alibi. I was with her until this point, but blah, blah, blah. And she mentions this necklace that's two halves of a of a heart. And she said, you know, give me your necklace because if they connect it to her half of the necklace, they're going to think you killed her and whatever. So next thing you know, they're like sucking face. And I'm like, everybody, <laughs> everybody, hang on here. Yeah, this girl is dead. We're feeling all the feels right now, okay? But listen, if I get murdered and my boyfriend, or I'm sorry, hang on, the guy I'm cheating on my boyfriend with (laughs) starts getting with my best friend, I'm going to be pissed, Mm -hmm. okay? They, They get closer and closer, and I'm like, really? Are we doing this? We're going to have these two kiss right now? Is this for real? All right. That's how you write television. Mm -hmm. And so, okay. And she's like, oh, give me your half a heart necklace. And they agree that they're going to bury it. I mean, instantaneously, I was like, "Mm, no, bad idea. You know. Well, they basically just drop it where they're standing and cover it with dirt. Yeah. Let's bury this in one millimeter of dirt. That'll do the trick. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, jeez. Oh, well, and like you said, it's the you know you got to write for television. You got it because then they show like the very last scene is a gloved hand reaches in the dirt and picks it up like way after they leave. So, right. Someone has the necklace. Dun dun dun. <laughs> so, to be continued. Right. And you know, sure, and and it sure enough, it ends with 
Uh, you know, Agent Cooper saying, you know, well, I think I'm going to be here for a while, so I better get set up at a motel. And and I and I, I think you know his character kind of fits right in with the other characters. It, you know, I expected it to be more of a fish out of water story, at least with him, but. I feel like his character, given like he's got his own set of quirks and weirdness, that I feel like he's just throughout the series probably just gonna like I said he's gonna fit right in with the rest of the the community. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I and I also think I think everybody we saw potentially has a greater role to play, but um, mm-hmm. Shelley, the waitress who Bobby's cheating on Laura with. So the yeah, I thought one we were piece get I think we need to mention is that she's also cheating on her boyfriend with Bobby. So they pull up to the house or get close to the house and they're like, oh shit, the boyfriend's home. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's he's a, a truck driver yeah. and the truck is parked in front of the house. So then they show in the Dirty Magazine... Two pictures, and help me out here, because maybe I didn't get this quite right. One picture was of a girl, and I think that's supposed to be this, the other victim who wasn't killed but was is yes. was raped. The picture in the magazine next to that is the house with the truck parked in front of it. Yes. So then they go to Shelley watching the TV, the news story about this murder unfolding, and the boyfriend's like, you know, turn it off, turn it off. So I wonder if she's going to make some kind of connection between, like, the well, boyfriend and this potential, like, this other victim or... Yeah, I guess, so, and what we're kind of referring to, if if, if you've never seen it or if it's been a while since you've seen it, um, they discovered the, the, uh, that Laura Palmer had a uh, safe deposit box at a bank, so they get a court order, they get it opened, they find uh, $10,000 in cash... And kind of a like a dirty magazine, but I I felt like did the magazine have were those like classified like uh, personals I guess I wasn't really I mean I feel like it had sure. to be because like why else would because it was the it was the boyfriend standing in front of his truck like hey here's my personal ad um, because yeah why else would that picture be in the back of a dirty magazine yeah you know so. Yeah, I got a little lost that at that point trying to figure out what was what, and also I for <laughs> it's like I kind of forget that there were such a thing as dirty magazines and personal ads in the backs of magazines. Right. I was right. like, wait, what are we looking at again? This is weird. Like, it's it's been, you know it's only it's been twenty years, but I'm I mean, and yeah, like that's something we grew up with, you know personal ads and newspapers and penny savers and whatever. But it's not something that we've had in front of us for a long, long time. So, you know, the the whole, I feel like actually the entire episode, you kind of have to remind yourself that this was made in 1990. And, yeah, it was like... What's this black and white picture in the back of this magazine? Who is that? What does this mean? <laughs> and yeah, there were there were a couple of times where I kind of 
you know, I, I thought they did a pretty decent job keeping everybody straight. But, you know, that being said, I did get lost a couple times. And that was one of those times when I couldn't... Re- yes, like you said, that was the, the, the one picture was the other victim. The one that they found walking, like, half-naked and, you know, catatonic. Mm-hmm. And then the other picture was of the trucker boyfriend... Um, yeah, just a lot of, you know, just know that if you, you know, if you've never watched this and if you plan on watching it, there's a lot of moving pieces in this episode. Yeah. And to a certain extent, I think there's, you know, there's moving pieces and there, it's like pieces that we don't have the context yet to right. connect how it's stuff they're setting up right and and that's how you know tv works and everything one thing and maybe it was meaningless but one of those weird things that kind of stood out to me was donna's dad and i made a note oh donna's right. dad seems like an idiot so <laughs> i thought he seemed kind of nice actually well he goes to pick her up and like everything's swell and i'm like okay dude you're your teenage daughter just snuck out of the house <laughs> while there's a curfew intact because someone at her school, not just anyone, her best friend was murdered. Mm-hmm. And they think there's a serial killer in she town. She went to a bar to meet with someone who's going to turn out to be a prime suspect. Um, and she rode her sister's bike to get there. So he picks her up and he drives her home. And everything seemed a little too hunky-dory for me. But they, they pull in and he's like, so where's your sister's bike? She tells him and, and he says, oh, you know, we'll have to go get it. And I was like, what is this, an episode of Full House? What are we watching <laughs> right here? And then he says you, something like, we're so lucky to have you or She's she's lucky to have you as her sister or or something like that. And yeah, let's put some air in the tire. And I'm like what? Yeah, well what? Well, he was I, I felt like he was he was the cool dad there, but you know, when he when he found when he first found out that she had snuck out, he points at the younger sister, he points at Harriet and he says, "Later. Like we're going to talk about this later because Well, and you know, the other thing too was like I think he was kind of an idiot. To tell the, I'll just go violent, violent boyfriend that she's not home. You know, the the, <laughs> the boyfriend who, at bare minimum, verbally abuses her. Maybe dad doesn't know that, but okay. Mm-hmm. Shows up at the house, clearly been drinking. His buddy's out on top of the car, drinking and pretending to surf. And the dad's like, you guys been drinking? <laughs> it's very clear. And then he gives out, like, relevant information, which then causes them to go, we're going to go find her. We're going to, you know, and he walks out to the car and says, Roadhouse. Like, Dad, you say, she went to bed. Get off my lawn. (laughs) Dad up, you know. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, she's not not here. Like, dude. Well, you know, I guess that's, you know, everyone trusts a guy in a varsity you, know, you didn't like him enough to let him step foot in your house. You said, Mike, would you mind if you wait right here? He didn't even let him come in off the porch. Yet he's going to like give kind of relevant information. 
Like, if your kid sneaks out of the house, you don't really go, like, admitting that. Yeah, I felt like, actually, your next step is going out the door with him to go look for your daughter because you're probably pissed that she snuck out of the house in the first place. Right. And then, basically, he pins a medal on her chest after they get home. Like, thanks for being the best kid in the world. Let's go fill up your sister's tire. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Um. So far, not real keen on Donna's dad. He seems like kind of a dummy. Okay, so so lots of thoughts on this episode, lots of opinions. Overall, did you like it? Yeah, now I have to watch the whole series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining. Well, you're in luck. It's not that long. Yeah, so I didn't realize it was only two seasons, and you said movie, and then whatever mm. they did more recently. Right. But, like, within minutes... Of the one hour and 33 minutes, just within a few minutes, I was like, oh, shit. Now I have another show I have to watch. <laughs> because I was already, like, that into it. Yeah. You know? And then you throw in, oh, hey, I know that guy. Or, oh, he's in. he was in that show. I recognize him. So this whole cast of characters, um, all these actors that we recognize. And then every couple minutes, we're meeting a new person who, like, every one of them could be the killer and there's just something fascinating about this like sleepy town where it's weird but everything is like status quo but guess what everybody's cheating on everybody kids going to the bar like i'm fascinated Mm -hmm. i need to watch more okay um yeah, I'm kind of. I I I guess I'm. I'm on the fence. I I feel a lot of the same way. A lot of the same things that you feel about it. Um. Mostly, I feel like I should watch it just to be a better informed person. Like. Like society demands it of us. Well, so, you know, so, so, well. So much of my life revolves around pop culture, and I feel like it's something that I've been missing out on. Like, it's something that I've deprived myself of. Like, I don't, there's stuff I don't get because I've never watched Twin Peaks. So, I, I mean, I could come, you know, I could come through this thing, you know, watch the entire thing and, and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've gone 20-some years without ever watching this. This is the best thing ever. This is this has changed my life. This is my favorite show. You know, that might be overreaching a little, but you know, I'm sure I'll like it. I don't know. I can't say I'm excited about it though. Hmm. Um I can't put my finger on why. Um I think I just have to watch more of it and see if I if I feel a little bit, you know, if something hits me. Like, I thought it was good, but I was very lukewarm on it. Like, I thought it was a, I thought it was a solid episode. Um, there was a lot of it. A lot of it, I, you know, most of it I liked. There were only a couple of things I was probably like, eh. Yeah, I, I didn't feel an overwhelming desire to keep going. I probably, again, I probably will just because I feel like I should. I feel like it's just something I should have, you know, in my body of things that I've watched, you know, so I can say, 
And you know, at, at a party, yes, I've watched all of Twin Peaks. Honestly, I'm surprised that you've made it this long without watching it because you're right. Like you're very well. That yeah, I, I in think tuned with. You I think know, that kind of speaks to to it a little bit. Again, not judging it one way or another, but I've gone this long without watching it. I could probably go the rest of my life without watching it, and I would probably be okay. But I feel like I should watch it. Good. So. Let's watch it. Okay. So we'll keep watching <laughs> it. All right. So that's a that's a we'll keep watching it for for both of us. Um, so that's pretty much it for this episode of the Pilot Season podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we will be able to maintain a a more regular schedule now that you know we're. We're in our new home, and you know things are fairly settled, and um, you know we've got uh, no shortage of things to watch ever in our lifetime. And I already know. Well, next week it's or the next show it's going to be your pick. I've already got my next pick planned out. Oh boy, I feel some pressure. So because honestly, you picked this show how many months ago? And we we've been so busy. March. It okay. was March. <laughs> we don't need. Okay, let's. I'm let's, just saying it was let's, March. Let's not slap a number on it. Okay. <laughs> well, we moved a month later. Yeah, we did. Honestly, we moved like I think less than a month after we did the last last podcast, and it's just been a little crazy getting settled in and doing projects. But I haven't put any thought into this mm-hmm. in that many months, so I'm really gonna have to. Give it, give it some real yeah, thought, give like it some what thought. we want to watch next. So, okay. And you're already prepared, prepared, so I feel like... I am prepared. I'm ready for the next, for, yeah. i got to get on this pronto. Yes. Um, so we will probably, you know, at some point once uh, Jen decides what we're going to watch, we'll get that teased on all of our social medias, which, you know, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can just search for... Um, Pilot Season Podcast. I think we're on Instagram and Facebook. We are Pilot Season Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Pilot Season TV. And our website, where our other episodes are located, is uh, Pilot Season TV dot <laughs> Pilot Season TV dot Blogspot dot com. So you can check us out there. And I think we're we're also. Um, our episodes are are on uh, Stitcher as well, so you can find us there. So, um, any last thoughts? Any last words? I want to know who killed Laura Palmer. All right. Well, I guess we will find out as we keep watching. Cool. All right. So this has been episode 16 of Pilot Season Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And we'll see you next time. See ya.